So this morning, I'm going to teach you about the name of God. God does have a name that he wants us to know and remember. In fact, his name is mentioned 6,828 times in the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. That's more than three times as often as the simple word for God, which is Elohim or El. And it's more than six times as often as Jesus' name is mentioned, which is about a thousand times. This shows us that God doesn't want to be known as a generic deity, but as a specific person with a name that carries his unique character and mission. Yahweh is the name of the God we serve, the God that loves us and has plans for us. In Isaiah 42, 8, he says, I am Yahweh. That is my name. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And we're going to hear God tell of his name and what that name means to us. In this text, God has just spoken to Moses out of a burning bush, and he's explaining how he's going to be delivering the people of Israel from Pharaoh. And in verse 13, Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now, your Bibles don't say Yahweh. They have an uppercase L-O-R-D right here, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. God says, this is my name forever, and thus I am to remembered, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Moses knew the people of God would ask, what is his name? But for the people of Israel, a name was more than just a name tag, something you'd put on a name tag and put on. Um, And I think today, parents look for names that are really unique and trendy, right? Um, if I was, if my mom named me today, my name's Kim, it would probably have like three Y's and a couple E's in it and a silent H, you know, to make it cool. Uh, kids are named after a movie icon or a singer or even fruit, right? When my niece was 19, she insisted that someday when she had children, that her, uh, firstborn son would be named Cruz Danger. And this was solely for the purpose so that when he got older, he could say, my middle name is Danger, right? She just gave him his first pickup line, basically. He'd be like, mom, thanks for the hookup. I have an awesome pickup line. So um, yeah, she was helping him out. In Jewish thought, a name wasn't something they looked up in a baby name book. Um, They didn't just follow trends. In Jewish thought, a name conveyed the nature and the essence of the thing named. A name represented the history, the reputation of the one being named. Like when Jacob and Esau were born, Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel, so he was named 
grabber of the heel. That's what Jacob means. God renamed Abram to Abraham, and Abraham's name meant father of many. So when people called his name, they were speaking out his destiny. They would say, father of many, come inside here. Father of many. They were speaking out who he was going to become. When I was in seminary, my best friend and I, her name's Jennifer, um, when we go to Starbucks, when I ordered my drink and they asked for my name, I would tell them my name was Destiny. So that when the drink was done and they would say, coffee for Destiny, I would be like, oh yes, that's me. The one with the destiny, right? And my friend Jennifer would say her name was Faith. And so when they would say iced tea for Faith, she would say, oh yes, that's me. I'm Faith. We loved having these words spoken out over us. Um, my husband and I pray a lot about naming our children. Uh, we try to give our kids names that will, you know, be their destinies, their character, names that they can grow into and strive for and that we can pray through. Uh, my son, Noah, he's going to be 10. Um, before he was born and we were praying about a name, I felt like his name was supposed to be Noah. My husband wasn't so sure, but I was like, no, it's, his name's going to be Noah, so I'm just going to pray for you to hear from the Lord, right? So anyhow, we're praying about this name, Noah. And one day I was at church and there was a woman that worked here at Cornerstone and she knew that I was pregnant, but she didn't know what we were having and we weren't sharing names or anything like that. And she said, I had a dream about you. She said, you were pregnant. You had a boy. You named him Noah. He had blonde hair and he was a great teacher. She said, you're probably having a girl and naming her, you know, something else. But that was my dream. And I said, you know what? We're having a boy. And the only name we're praying about is the name Noah. The Lord wanted my son's name to be Noah, a man of faith in the midst of drought who would build an, who would build an ark, right? And my son came out with blonde hair. I have red hair. My husband has dark hair. My, hus my son came out with blonde hair. And one of the things he does, even though he wants to be a police officer, which is all good, he will also pretend to be a preacher when he's out and about. He'll pull, open up a Bible and start preaching out of like Ezekiel or something crazy. That's pretty awesome. My daughter's name is Faith. One of her middle names is Joy. And this girl's like living in a Broadway musical. She sings everything um, all the time and dances around. And it's amazing. There is so much joy in her. And my husband and I are um, planning to adopt in September a newborn. And uh, we're praying about that name because we want God to be a part of naming that child because he knows their destiny. So Moses isn't necessarily asking God, so what should I call you, right? What, what would I write on your name tag for the people of Israel? He's not saying that. He's asking, who are you? What are you like? What have you done? And in answer to that question, God gives three answers. In verse 14, God says, I am who I am. Secondly, in the same verse, he says, I am has sent you. And then in verse 15, he says, tell them Yahweh has sent you. This is my name forever. 
The name Yahweh and the name I am are built out of the same Hebrew word. It's Hayah. It's like an H-Y-H, a hey, a yod, and a hey, which is equivalent to our um, English language to be. So choosing this word to describe himself reflects the fact that God's existence is eternal. He's like, I just am. I am. He always was. He always will be. He is. This means he won't change. He is. He is inexhaustible. He won't get tired because he is. He doesn't have an expiration date. He's not going anywhere because he is. And here they're used interchangeably. He says, I am has sent me to you. And he says, Yahweh has sent me to you. John Piper says this. I think it would be safe to say that God's purpose in this meeting with Moses is to reveal, as he never had before, the meaning of his personal name, Yahweh. The key is in the phrase, I am, and especially in the phrase, I am who I am. God is saying, you know me as Yahweh. Here's what that means to you. I am who I am. And no one can change me. No one can manipulate me. No one can oppress me, bribe me, or succeed me because I am. You know, when Moses had this encounter with God, he was very familiar with God's name. Yahweh made the earth and the heavens in Genesis. Yahweh formed man of the dust of the ground. Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. The word of Yahweh came unto Abraham in a vision. Rebekah, when she was praying, she went to inquire of Yahweh. Like I said, Yahweh is said over 6,800 times throughout the Old Testament. So these four letters up here, Y-H-W-H, that's, this is the word Yahweh. Hebrew is read right to left. You have a, you have a Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. So if this word is mentioned over 6,800 times in the Old Testament, why don't we see it in our Bibles? Why, why don't we see Yahweh anywhere in our Bibles? Well, this requires us to learn a little Greek. Okay, you guys ready? This word right here is called the Tetragrammaton. The Tetragrammaton. Does anyone have boys? <clears throat> okay, this right here is not a Tetragrammaton. This is Megatron. I know Tetragrammaton totally sounds like a transformer. Um, I just had a friend of mine ask her teenage son, do you know what Tetragrammaton means? And he said, is it a transformer? It is not. It's this awesome word I'm about to tell you guys about. So the definition's pretty complicated, um, but I think it's important. I think it's important for you to understand it. So you're going to want to take notes. And I realize you guys don't have seminary degrees, so it might kind of go over your head, but I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, so you guys ready? The definition for tetragrammaton. Four letters. 
That's it. Do you guys need more time? It's, it's four letters. That's the definition. It's a, it's a really big word with a really small definition. It's literally like tetra means four um, and grandma means letter. Four letters. Y-H-W-H. You can call it tetra G if you want. It's actually quite a bit easier to call it tetra G. Then you sound like a hip hop artist, right? So you can impress your friends. You know, I just was down studying the, tes- the tetra G. Um, you might, you know, earn some cool points anyhow. Or some really uncool points. I'm not sure. We'll move on. So here's a three-minute Hebrew lesson on these four letters. The Hebrew language was a language made up of consonants with no vowels. Vowels were pronounced, um, but not written. So people learned where the vowels went just by passing the language on from generation to generation. After the time of exile, there was some confusion on how to pronounce God's name correctly. So Jews stopped pronouncing it at all in fear they wouldn't say it right and might take it in vain. So instead of pronouncing the tetragy, they would replace it by saying Adonai, which means Lord. So whenever they came to those letters, instead of trying to say it, they would just say Adonai or Lord. So in the 9th and 10th centuries, a group of Masoretic scribes came along and invented a system of vowels to help preserve the pronunciation of the Hebrew Bible. As they progressed through the texts, they came across the Tetragrammaton and had to decide what vowels to add. Since they believed no one should attempt to pronounce God's name, they didn't insert the correct vowels into YHWH. Instead, they inserted the vowels from the word Adonai, since that's what people were saying. The vowels were A-O-A, Adonai. And they would place them in the margin of the verse where YHWH was, or maybe right above it. This was not for pronunciation, by the way. The vowels were there just to remind the reader to say Adonai when they came to God's name, instead of pronouncing it. That's why in your Bibles, you see Lord all in uppercase, instead of Yahweh, instead of Y-H-W-H, because Adonai means Lord. Bible translations put Lord in all capital letters whenever the Hebrew actually reads Y-H-W-H. Then in the time of the Renaissance, between the 14th and 17th century, people were discovering ancient languages again, starting to study them, and so they come across Y-H-W-H with the vowels for Adonai, A-O-A, And when these scholars came upon this, they mistakenly pronounced Yahweh with the inserted vowels for Adonai, not realizing that the vowels didn't belong to Yahweh. The vowels didn't belong to YHWH. They were just a reminder to say Adonai. So by the late 17th century, you have people saying Yahovah or Jehovah, taking the consonants from Yahweh and the vowels from Adonai and putting them together. But this has never been the name of God. It was actually an error by these scholars. Just something interesting. Don't mean to like spin you guys all out. I know it's all over the King James Bible, but that's how the name Jehovah came about. 
Now, if you call God Jehovah, I know he's going to answer you because he knows your heart more than anything. I'm just like wanting to let you know that's where Jehovah came from. Today, there's no real definitive correct pronunciation for the name of God. Because the letters are only consonants, right? Technically, it could be Yahweh, Yehwah, Yahweh, etc. But many scholars believe that it's likely Yahweh. Early Christian writers, um, in the second century even, we have St. Clement of Alexandria, used a form like Yahweh. Okay? Many Greek transcriptions also indicated that Y-H-W-H should be pronounced Yahweh. So the Old Testament scriptures say Yahweh every time we see the word Lord in uppercase letters, over 6,000 times. And he's told us that's his name and to remember his name, right? So why don't we say it? Why don't we ever hear it? Why don't we remember it? I grew up my whole life in church and I don't remember hearing the name Yahweh, but that's my God's name, right? Why do we continue to say Lord instead? I can tell you why observant Jews don't say it. For the Jewish population, the Tetragrammaton is often referred to as the ineffable name, the unutterable name. Many Jews won't even casually write any name of God. Some think this comes from the commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, but in Jewish thought, that commandment's really about oath-taking, um, and it's prohibiting swearing by God's name falsely. So a lot of, a lot other uh, others say, um, no, that's not why it is. Another view is that they avoid writing any name of God because of the risk that the written name might later be defaced or destroyed accidentally or by one who doesn't know any better. You see, Judaism prohibits erasing or defacing the name of God. So you can write it down in a permanent way. That's fine. You just better make sure it doesn't get defaced or scribbled on or someone doesn't get their hands on it. You better make sure it doesn't get defaced. Orthodox rabbis say, you know, writing on a computer isn't permanent form. So it's not really a violation to type God's name or anything. You could type it in and then backspace it and cut it and paste it and move it all over. If it stays inside your computer in an electronic form, that's fine. That's not bad to type it and delete it. If you type it and then print it out and then someone defaces it, then you're in trouble. Then there's a problem. Nothing in the Torah which is in the first which are the first 5 books of the Old Testament prohibits a person from pronouncing the name of God. It's clear from scripture that God's name was pronounced routinely. David in the Psalms, Ezra, Nehemiah, they all boldly proclaim the name of Yahweh. There was no hesitancy. Malachi, probably written around 430 B.C., is the last book of the Old Testament. And in this book of only four chapters, the name Yahweh appears 40 times. It's clear the Jewish tradition of not using the name Yahweh didn't begin during the time of the Old Testament. At some point, it became the custom to use substitute names for God. 
Some rabbis even argued that a person who pronounces Yahweh according to its letters instead of using a substitute had no place in the world to come and should be put to death. You could be taken to court for speaking out that name. And a witness could come against you and be on the stand. And the only way that you would be allowed to speak that name is if you were a witness against someone else. And at the right time, they would let you say it as you testified against the person that had used that name. Other rabbis recommended, you know, if you accidentally mention, you know, God's name in vain, if you accidentally say Yahweh in vain, just super fast, hurry up, praise it, glorify it, you know, venerate it really quick you know, so that it won't have been mentioned in vain. Does that make sense? So it's like if I'm cutting a tomato and I cut my finger and I'm like, oh God, I go, oh, oh, you are holy God. You know, and I just lift up my hands and act like I meant to say, oh God, because I was going to praise and venerate his name like that. It's like, oh, he'll never know the difference, you know? So if you accidentally speak out his name, just start praising it right away and he won't know that it was in vain. He'll think you were just starting to bust out in some worship or something. That was kind of what they were saying. It's like when we were little, uh, my sister Pam and I used to fight a lot. I'm three years younger than her. And um, one time she wrote, I hate you on a piece of paper. And so I tattled because, you know, that's what I do, you know, and I did a lot. And so I went and got my mom. And while I was getting my mom, she turned, she tried to turn the H into an L and the A into an O and the T into a V so that it said, I love you, right? So my mom and I come back and she's like, what, mom? It says, I love you. What's the big deal? You know, it's like, I totally meant to do that, mom. That's kind of the logic that was going on. So... Are we banned anywhere from saying God's name? The short answer is no. And why do I care about this? Why do I want to talk about this? I think it's important for us to understand that when we read Lord in scripture, that it actually says Yahweh. Our God's name is Yahweh. His title is God. Who he is, is the I am. But his proper name is Yahweh. There's an intimacy in relationship that comes with knowing someone's name. It's easy to relate to God the Son, right? We know his name. His name's Jesus. We love his name. We read of his life. We love what he's done for us and who he is to us. Well, God, the Father's name is Yahweh. And I think if we saw and read his name in the Bible, like we see Jesus' name, we could have a connection with God that we may not have now. A more intimate connection because we know him by name. It's the difference between people calling the president, President Obama, right, his title, or his friends and family calling him Barack, or dad. It's different. I call my husband Darren, not Mr. Rogers, right? We're in relationship. A name carries a different level of intimacy. 
When you give someone your name, you are inviting them into some kind of relationship with you. Someone calls your name and you turn, right? Are there any moms out there? I totally used to do this to my mom, okay? It'd go like this. Mom. 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 Joyce. And my mom would turn. Her name was Joyce. That got her attention. Her name got her attention, right? God gave us his name and then said, remember it. Remember it. In my opinion, this is just me. This is Kim Rogers speaking, okay? In my opinion, I don't think God minds if we say his name and we don't get it perfectly right. I really don't. When my son was little, he couldn't say the J sound, okay? He just wasn't able to say it. Now, my best friend and his god mom and his best friend, her name is Jenny. So this poses a problem, right? For a long time, he just used his throat and would call her boom, boom. It was literally like GM, GM inside his throat. And she knew that was her. Then he got a little older and started calling her Genny. He started calling her Genny. Now, how do you think she felt about that? Well, she forbid him from saying it, of course, um, because how disrespectful to her, right? To call her Genny when her name is Jenny. I mean, come on, have some respect, kid. Well, no, of course not. She loved when he called for her. She loved to be needed by him and wanted by him. She didn't care that he called her Genny. That's who she was to him. And she loved that name. I think, and I think we all sort of shed a tear when he started calling her Jenny. Because it was like, oh, Genny's gone, you know? We loved that he called her Genny. I think God is big enough to handle his children calling him by his name. And maybe not getting it perfectly. But I do believe he wants to be called by his name in addition to his titles. Most Christians today associate the term Lord with Jesus, right? Not with Yahweh. Even the, the sign language for, for that is like an L with a sash that goes over like Jesus' sash, Lord. It's the letter L that crosses over their body. When we read Lord instead of Yahweh in Old Testament scripture, we kind of automatically think of Jesus, right? Lord Jesus, he's our Lord. And in doing so, we lose our connection with the God that worked his miracles throughout the Old Testament. So here's a song that we sing a lot. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Right? Worship his holy name. When you sing and read this in church, do you think of God or Jesus? Jesus, right? I mean, that's, you think of Jesus. Well, this song is about Yahweh. It actually says, bless Yahweh, O my soul. Worship his holy name. And how about this one? The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Well, it's easy to picture Jesus as our shepherd, right? I mean, John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And it's easy to picture him in his white tunic and a sheep over his shoulders and his flowing hair and his staff. He's a great shepherd. But this text, the 23rd Psalm, is saying Yahweh is your shepherd. Yahweh is your shepherd, the one who is, the eternal one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the God of the Israelites. He was a cloud in the desert by day and a pillar of fire by night. He parted the Red Sea. He gave Hannah a son. He heard baby Ishmael's cries. He spoke to a boy named Samuel. His voice shakes the mountains and rolls like thunder. Your shepherd is the one who loves humanity so much, he gave up his son for it. He created the world we live in, and he is your shepherd looking out for you. Bringing you beside quiet waters and helping you to rest. Anointing your head with oil, filling your cup to overflowing. Setting up a table for you before your enemies. Yahweh is doing all of that for you. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And I've always loved that proverb. But I've always thought it was about Jesus. I always thought it was Jesus' name I would run into. Well, you know what? Proverbs 18.10 is the name of Yahweh, is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. It's Yahweh's name. Now, I'm not saying Jesus' name isn't powerful. I love the name of Jesus. When Jesus' name is spoken, the atmosphere changes. It's in his name that we are healed. It's in his name that we are saved. It's by his name that signs and wonders take place. I love his name. I just want to raise an awareness of God's name. We know God the Son's name is Jesus. And I think we need to know that God the Father's name is Yahweh. There's power in his name. And I think maybe Satan has worked extra hard to keep Christians from knowing it and saying it. The name he personally said, remember my name for all generations. So this morning, I just want to encourage you to get to know Yahweh. Not by title, but by name. Go through the Old Testament. When you read through it, read through it with a new set of lenses reading these stories and hearing these songs, knowing they're about Yahweh, your God, the God of the Israelites, the God of the desert, the God of Genesis, Yahweh. Psalm 910 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. Seek Yahweh with your whole heart. Put your trust in him. He is not too big for you to know him by name.